The Lord Jesus had 12 original disciples, but those men were just the first of many more followers of Christ. They are an example for us to learn from and a reminder that God works in ordinary people. Are you a true follower of Jesus Christ? Let's study the 12 with Scott Pauley today and find truth that will help us all to follow more closely to Christ. We began our study of the individual disciples with Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, because he was the first to believe on the Lord and to recognize him as Messiah. And we, we found in John 1 that Andrew was the one who brought his brother Simon to Jesus. Now, we know when Simon came to Jesus, the Lord Jesus changed his life. Remember, he changed his name. He changed Simon to Peter, the rock, uh, indicative of what Christ was going to make him and how the Lord was going to use him. And, of course, we have hindsight now. In retrospect, everything's clearer. We see him standing on the day of Pentecost preaching 3,000 people being saved. Uh, but I want to take a little different look at this particular disciple today, at Simon Peter. And we go back really to the head of the list now because, remember, he's at the first of each of the list of the disciples Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. You remember that Andrew was a fisherman. His brother is a fisherman. Uh, they have this fishing business on the Sea of Galilee. They've already professed their faith in Jesus. Uh, the incident in John 1 has already taken place. Andrew's already brought Simon Peter to Jesus. They, they have come to know the Lord. I started to say they found the Lord, but really the Lord found them. But now, several months after that incident, the Lord comes by their fishing business uh, to take them on the next step on their journey. Isn't it a beautiful picture? It begins with a decision, but it doesn't stop there. It becomes a way of life. It's not enough simply to profess faith in Christ. Now will you be a true follower of the Lord? And hear what Jesus says. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say follow me and do this. He says, follow me and I'll make you into what you're supposed to be. It's wonderful, isn't it? Peter probably would have thought of himself as a self-made man. He's not a self-made man. He's a Christ-made man. And you and I are not self-made people. No, if there's any good thing in us, it must be Christ in us. And as we follow the Lord, the Lord makes us what he wants us to be. He uses a little play on words here, but sends a great message. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You've been fishing for fish. I'm going to give you a greater work. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so begins the story of Christ's interactions with Simon Peter. Now, we're only giving one episode to each of these individual disciples. Truthfully, we could spend months on Simon Peter alone. Think of all of the conversations with Christ. Think of all of the exciting events in his life from start to finish. But I'd like to zero in on one today because I'm convinced it was the turning point in his life. There were many moments you may say were turning points. Uh, just this morning, devotionally, I read the, the interaction our Lord had with Simon Peter when Peter spoke up and said, We believe and are sure. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, great men oftentimes make great statements and then turn around and have great failures. 
big men, I mean in personality, often make big statements and big promises only to discover that they're, they're not as big as they thought they were, that only the Lord is great. And Simon Peter was one of those men. So the incident I want to zero in on today that I believe was the turning point in his life, at least it precipitated it, is recorded in Luke 22, where the Lord Jesus has a, a personal and private and I might say even a painful conversation with Simon Peter. The Bible says in Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Do you see how he uses his old name? He's reminding him, warning him, you still have the old nature. Oh, you're known as Peter now. Everyone thinks of you as, as the head disciple now, but don't ever forget you're Simon, Simon. And any time in Scripture the Lord uses a name twice, it's always to get attention. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Do you hear these sobering words? Dear listener, Satan wants you. He wants your family. He wants your church. He wants your friendships. He, he wants everything. He's that roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. And he wants you just like he wants Simon Peter. And don't you know, if he could get Simon Peter, he could get at the other disciples. And if he could get at you, he can get at those that you love and those that you lead and influence. There's a spiritual warfare going on here. And then Jesus gives this amazing statement. I love this. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. There really are four characters here in these two verses, uh, four characters that were really main characters in Simon Peter's life, and four characters that are main characters in your life and mine. First, there's Satan. Who is he? He's the enemy. And what's his goal? Well, it's never good. <laughs> Jesus said here, he wants to sift you as wheat. Uh, Peter would have understood that agricultural illustration in his day, the sifting process, getting the, the chaff out of the wheat. Uh, Jesus said the devil wants to use a, a reverse sift on you. He wants to sift you so that all of the wheat is gone and only the chaff remains. The Lord does the exact opposite. He, he gets all the chaff out of your life and leaves only that which is good and that which feeds. But the devil is always doing the exact opposite. He's the enemy and he wants to destroy then there's not only Satan, there's Jesus. Praise God for Jesus. Jesus says, but I've prayed for thee. Aren't you glad the Lord butts into this situation? We're not left in the hands of the devil. And so if Satan is the enemy, who is Jesus? He's the intercessor. He prayed for Simon Peter, and he's praying for you. Robert Murray McShane said, if I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a thousand enemies, but the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And Dear friend, at this moment, the Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father, and he is praying for you. What's he praying? That your faith fail not. Now, look, Peter had many failures. He's going to fail. He's going to curse and swear and deny that he even knows the man. Uh, he's going to blow it. Yes, he is. He says in this passage, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee. But he wasn't ready. And most of the time, we think we can do it in our own power. We fall flat on our face. And so what is Jesus praying? Though he may have many failures, that his faith would not fail. I don't know what failure you've had, but I want to say to you, if you'll look to Jesus, believe on Christ, keep your faith in God, your faith itself may even be a little weak, but the object of your faith is not the Lord is more than enough. So you have Satan the enemy, Jesus the intercessor, and then you have Peter himself. Who is he? 
Well, he's the one that has to be converted. And you might say, I thought he'd already been converted. Oh, we're not talking about his salvation here. We're talking about the turning point in his life where he finally will come to the place that he realizes it's not him, it's Jesus. It's not what he can do, it's what Christ can do in him. That's the turning point that happened when he failed. That's the turning point that happened when Jesus would meet him after the resurrection and say, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. It's the turning point that would happen in Peter's life, and it is the turning point that must happen in all of our lives. In fact, Jesus uses the plural here when he says, I've I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not when thou art converted. He's talking to Peter, but there's a lesson here for all of us. And then the fourth character is actually a group. It's the brethren. He said, when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. Who are they? They're the needy. Friends, Satan must not win. Jesus must get his prayer answered. We must be converted. And there's a world full of brethren that need to be strengthened. And if you'll let the Lord work in you like he worked in Simon Peter, not in your own power but in his, you'll find that Jesus changes you into the follower he wants you to be. He will make you a fisher of men, and he will use you to strengthen the brethren. May God help all of us have our turning point today. Thank you for joining us today as we looked into God's Word. It is our prayer that you will follow Christ and lead others to Him. Our world is desperate for truth and hope. Scott Pauley has written a new booklet on the need of our nation that addresses what believers can and should be doing at this time. Order your copy now at enjoyingthejourney.org. We'd love to hear from you and look forward to studying with you again next time on Enjoying the Journey.